It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, an Articles of News episode, and joining me from the heat, the hot, the oh-so-hot of Texas, it's, uh, we used to call him the Love Muss, and then I relearned what that even was. It's Russell Wilde. How are you, sir? I'm doing, I'm <laughs> sweltering. It really is super hot now. Unreasonably hot. It, uh, the last couple of days here in the state of Utah have been have you ever, uh, like you, you have your wife, she's got the, uh, the blow dryer and oh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. uh, she dries her hair with the blow dryer. Now that's a dry heat, Richie. Yeah. No, no, no. Here's the deal. Uh, it, it, the wind has been blowing strong enough that it feels like mother nature turned on the, uh, the, the, uh, hair dryer. And so you go outside and it's not hot. We haven't, I don't even think breached 90 degrees, but it just feels like you're in an air fryer and there's hot air all around you. And it's so strong that you're like, our limbs going to fall on my head. That sounds delightful. Yeah. It, it's just it been. muggy and gross lately. You're but, uh, uh, what do you do so for the Patreon saints? Uh, they get to see Russ has uh, drawn a pretty awesome picture that you get to see of uh, a frog on a, on a toadstool. Is that what that is? Uh, yeah, it's a frog on a mushroom. When when we, we chatted when we chatted with Chow, I'm in my daughter's friend. bedroom, so I don't know. She's got lots of art on her wall. She let us know that your kids were going to the Bible camp, but it's not the uh, it's not the Mormon Bible camp, but an opportunity well, for her to know about uh, other faiths and traditions. How's that going? We don't have a vacation Bible school in our church. We should. So we, I mean, should we? Why? Not? I, I mean, I think we should. We could. Yeah, but I mean the uh I'm more than happy to enjoy the free volunteer labor of other faiths. So it doesn't cost myself. anything? It doesn't no. cost anything? No. No, you just sign up. We in years past we've gone to two or three different churches, vacation bible school. It's a thing. You know, they vacation bible school hop. Uh-huh. And uh go to I mean you can do like one one of them had a big uh big party afterwards and they had like bounce houses and hamburgers and stuff like that. And then we bought t-shirts at it because I felt like we should support them in some way. So sure. we did that. But no, there's not a really a cost. It's just it's kind of fun. It's interesting too, like you can kind of get the feel for what the theme of the year is gonna be mm-hmm. like from pop culture. So like okay. I by January, you're like, oh, it's a superhero year. And then like You'll start seeing like signs up at you know in different towns like, oh, this one they bought the superhero themed camp stuff, and so like they all have different themes and like out of this world space adventure, super Job. I love that. Right, those kind of different things. So, yeah. but I mean, it's uh, it's all right. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, it, the, I I think it would be really fun to to track down the teachers of my kids. Mm-hmm. And ask them about the weird stuff my kids say, because like, I think, like you know, my uh, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, she's uh, she talked about uh, how her sister goes to the temple to do baptisms for the dead, mm-hmm. and uh, I just the reaction to that I think is kind of interesting. But you know, whatever, my it, kids it, are are f- firm enough in their faith. I do have uh, I uh, I this happens all the time in in places that have vacation Bible school. I'm sure uh vacation uh, yeah whatever uh but uh when i was a missionary in texas i at the turn of the century um the there was a, a kid in one of the small little towns i was in their their kids all went to vacation bible school and a, one of them got saved at it so that was okay. a bonus i don't think my kids have gotten saved at, at them yet but there's hope for next year you know I, it's funny that you say that because i i always sort of think you know, you hear about the way that uh, members of the church get treated sometimes by a, a lot of like evangelical or some of these other folks, and 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 what I what I hope never happens, but can imagine probably does, is that there may be some groups where you know your your kids are sitting in on a thing and they're like the Bible, and they're like, yeah, we've got the Bible and the Book of Mormon, and then the teachers like, yeah, but these kids can't be here anymore. Maybe. But don't you think I, I mean I think it could happen, but I yeah. think I think just in the same way of as if we had day camp or young women's camp and, and a friend of our faith showed up and 
we said, you know, everybody look at the Book of Mormon and the kids like, oh, I only have a Bible. This is weird. Like mm-hmm. there wouldn't be the reaction to like, oh, you can't be here. Yeah, you hope not. I think. Yeah, I think generally most of the time people are are more accepting than, you know, ever since President Nelson said be a peacemaker, I think everybody's listened, right? Yeah. I I love that your face told me uh, everything I needed to know about whether or not you think that people would really be that good inherently, where you're like, <laughs> yeah, no, I think people are that good. But your face was like, no, I'm sure this happens all the time. And people uh, I, I mean, like, honestly, for me as a parent, like, I just assume my kid hear it, right? Like, yeah, okay, like, let's, let's have it. Like, say something crazy to my kid about how, like, they're going to go to hell because we believe in the Book of Mormon. Like, whatever, we'll talk about it in family home evening the next week. Sure. And sure. Like, you know, it's not going to be the only time they hear it in their life and it's going to happen at some point. And I just assume it happened when, like, I can have a family home meeting listen about it the next week. You know right. what I mean? Like, and we can talk about it and, like, let them understand that, like, yes, there are lots of different churches and they're all different positive things about them. And some of them have things about them that maybe don't feel so nice about us. Yeah. But we don't have to feel mean about them or whatever, whatever, however you want to discuss it. But I just assume, let's do it. Like, I don't mind exposing my kids to that. Yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd much rather have that than like have their first college roommate be like, oh, your church is a cult. Yeah. What do you mean? And then, and then have a whole semester of them like in their ear about, about it and have them not have ever heard that before. So we talked about stuff. Is that a conscious choice that you guys have made as parents, or is that something that just as virtue of not living in the you know the Mormon corridor? I mean, I I don't think we're I don't think we're actively looking for our kids to be exposed to like negative things about our church. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have the I have the belief if like if if I want my kids to be able to invite their friends to church with them, and right, and who doesn't want that? Like, you should be able if you don't want that. Like that's kind of the aim of the church, right? Mm-hmm. I want my church kids to be able to invite their friends to church. Well, I want them to be able to feel comfortable going if their friend invites them to church too. Like, yeah. I don't want it's not a one way. Uh, I, I we're no sorry, we're only the inviters. We we don't yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. But like, so like, to, well, yeah. So the more exposure and more thing, and whether it's a conscious thing or just. I think something that it makes common sense to me. I don't know. Like, I don't know that we ever had a sit down talk with as a husband and wife and said, well, a vacation Bible school. What if the pastor, <laughs> what if the pastor tells our nine-year-old she's damned? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'll tell her to go the next day and ask if she can get saved just to like, clear yeah. that I just cover whatever. bases. Sure. Uh, I, I, as I'm sitting here and thinking about it, I'm like, well, what was my upbringing like? And I, you know, like visiting other churches was when I would go to other mission farewells in different right. wards and stuff like that. But I can remember uh, distinctly going to my first Catholic mass in high school as part of a choir tour. We were in Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, just this massive cathedral and and seeing what that was like. And uh, it it is a a now very strongly held belief that every once in a while, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, whether you're doing it in addition to your uh, Sunday worship or in place of your Sunday worship, should enter the the doors of somewhere else. Yeah, I think it's I, I don't think I don't think there's harm in it, right? Yep. If you have uh, if you have a testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and like I think lots of faith, faiths do, like you can learn and grow and experience something new and just just being in the community wherever you are i think it's not a bad idea yeah yeah uh i'm trying to think if there's anything uh new for me that i should uh share with you probably something a lot of yard work still doing a lot of house stuff a lot of guys i'm so behind on yard work i just is your dog all right that's what i was going to ask you about your rattlesnake dog uh we've had some bad luck with the dogs lately Uh the uh but it's yeah, okay, no, uh, right? I'm not bringing up a terrible story. No, I? no, no, no. She's she's fine. Uh, no, well, she's not fine. She's got bit by a rattlesnake. But sure. we took her. We took took her in almost immediately. Got her to the emergency vet, and they uh, gave her the anti venom that you know is a thing, and she's doing well. Great. Um, they kept her over like that happened on Saturday, and they kept her over the weekend, and today they uh, apparently the venom. Like you don't want it to get into the bloodstream of the bite victim, whatever uh-huh. that it happens to be. Sure. Um, and if it does, that's what the antivenom's for. 
but the venom also like destroys the tissue around the bite site. Mm-hmm. Apparently that's happened a lot near her foot, which is where, where she got bit on the, mm-hmm. the back foot. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, there's a lot of uh, dead tissue here. And so the, originally the plan was to like bandage it up and send her home today. Um, but then the, the doctor said it was, it just didn't look very good today. And so they, they prescribed something they called hydrotherapy, which is essentially just like take the wound and rinse it for 10 minutes twice a day. Mm-hmm. And then like put some ointment on it and like not bandage it up, but just kind of leave it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they said that it can be kind of messy. Like we're like, you can do it at home or, you know, we can keep boarding her. And so we opted to keep her at the boarding sure. hospital doctor thing. So she's going to stay there till Friday and we'll pick her up. But mm. like she's eating, she's normal. She's happy. Like, she's got a bum foot. Yeah. And uh, I was mildly disappointed that it was her back foot. She's a Brittany Spaniel. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with the look, but on TikTok there is a Britney Spaniel that has is missing its two front legs uh-huh. that essentially walks like a person. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> always runs around. Maybe she's not missing legs. I don't remember. But I was thinking, like, if it was a front leg, maybe we could teach her to walk like a person. Yeah, you could get <laughs> her to a, earn earn the money that the uh, hospital stay is going to cost back on yeah. TikTok. Yeah, that's uh not free. Yeah. So <laughs> no. Kids, yeah. uh, we're gonna need you to get scholarships because uh, guess what? We uh... yeah, it was my mother-in-law said because my my daughter was with with the dog when it happened. She's like, oh, I'm just glad it wasn't her that got bit. And I wanted to reply, well, we have insurance for her, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad it was the dog and not my daughter. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna do actual articles of news coming up in the third block. Uh, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself. It's a temple ticker, so we got to do all the news in the next block when we come back. BestDJinUtah.com. It's been a while since we've had a new one of these, and I apologize for that. It's because I've been so busy DJing events all over the country, uh, but especially here in Utah. Been able to do some great, uh, you know, weddings. I've done a, a prom or two for different listeners of the cultural hall. I love it when you uh, reach out to me at bestdjinutah.com or uh, you can find the phone number online as well. I would love it if you say, hey, I heard about you on the cultural hall because maybe, just maybe, I give a cultural hall discount. Uh, All sorts of events. It doesn't have to be a a wedding. It could be a community event. Maybe it's a ward or youth activity. I'm doing one of those this summer. In fact, just lock the deal down on that. Uh, whatever it may be, if you need music to accompany your event or you just need a great MC, I would love to be able to help you out. You're simply going to need to go to bestdjinutah.com. Hi, friends. Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. I get a lot of emails from people all the time. Here's one. Dear Dan, I hear your talk about a lifetime service guarantee. Free? Really? Please help me avoid all your fine print and be honest about what free means. You understand that we should be very wary of a free offer signed skeptical. Hi, skeptical. I remember 22 years ago when we started PC laptops and our lifetime service guarantee, people thought it was too good to be true. Well, you know, after a decade, people started believing me a little bit. But you know, it's been 22 years of having the privilege to serve our friends and neighbors like you. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com. Here's to seeing you soon, skeptical. Here in the second block, we do actual articles of news. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose articles of news. And away we go. You know, it's worth noting, and we don't do this very often, that the Peter that uh, does the you can't lose articles of news is Peter Breinholt, uh, guest number six in the cultural hall. So uh, literally, it is hitting it, Peter Breinholt. So thank you for doing that. A shout out to him. Peter Breinholt these days? He's great. Still playing. Still does all the things. Lots of family time. He, he's a great follow on social media. Um, and and perhaps one of the nicest guys ever. Ever. Ever? Ever. I looked up ever and he is. Uh, let's start here. So back uh, episode 332 of the Cultural Hall, uh, we talked with Kendall Levine. Or Levine, I can't ever remember. Um, she 
was in a uh, auto pedestrian crash during her mission. Do you remember this story? This was down in Australia. She was an athlete from out in Stansbury Park. Um, just a horrible, terrible accident. She had to come home from um, the mission and was having a, a difficult time being able to recover from that audio auto uh, pedestrian accident. Um, things like just walking, things like talking had been difficult for her. Uh, this is just a, an awesome follow-up to not only that conversation, but to to know where she's at in her life. Uh, she has now received her college degree from Utah Valley University. So congratulations to her. If you want to hear more about that tragic accident while she was serving, you can go back and listen to episode 332 of the Cultural Hall. And that eight-year recovery is not something that I think is fun, but good for her for making it through there and, and getting that done. Yeah. Sure. Un, yeah. Unreal. And, and, you know, it just, it goes to show the strength of her as an individual. And you get that when you listen to the episode as well. She's just like, I won't be stopped. This was the thing that happened, but it doesn't define me. And I, you know, I, I hope to think that I would be that kind of person should something like that happen to me, but I don't know that I would be. <laughs> I never had to knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, this story I thought was interesting. And then I know you've got a couple that you want to do. So get ready with one of those. Um, in, uh, La Ie, uh, it's where your wife served her mission. Have you ever been to the, uh, to the BYU Hawaii campus? I actually, oh, well, I don't know. I've been to the Polynesian Cultural Center. I've never been to the, I didn't really spend any time on campus. Uh-huh. Uh, I actually went when my, uh, when my now wife was in the MTC, we, me and some friends went to Hawaii. When she was still so, in the MTC, so you just warmed up Hawaii for her before she got Yeah, we were just checking it out, making sure it was okay, you know, <laughs> making sure it was all right. I, I, I'd i heard things about it. I've seen the Brady Bunch episode. I just wanted to make sure it was safe. <laughs> the tiki torches of the Brady Bunch. So uh, at the uh, McKay Center at uh, BYU-Hawaii, there is, and if you've ever been on the campus of BYU-Hawaii, you can't miss it, this gorgeous tile mural. It's massive. Absolutely. Made in Italy. Uh, yeah. Made in Italy, but assembled there in uh, on the North Shore of Oahu at the BYU-Hawaii campus. Well, uh, it was patterned after a 1921 photograph of McKay um, and, and placed there. Uh, he returned in 50, 1958 to dedicate that complex and the music and the mosaic. And uh, they're doing some some uh, some renovations there on the campus of BYU. And well, as part of that, they're they're saying, hey, you know what? We're we're not going to be able to to keep all of this mural. And and the locals, rightfully so, as far as I'm concerned, are saying, wait, what? Why will the the quote is that they'll keep significant parts of the mural? But, but I don't understand if it was flown over in parts and pieces and assembled here, why we could not then take it apart in parts and pieces and then have it be somewhere else in the future. I don't know. I don't know why with these things that are iconic and definitive for these different things. And I'm talking lumping into that things like uh, the Logan Temple, like the Manti Temple, like some artwork, some of those things. We, I mean, we have literal billions of dollars. Put, I, I, that's put the thing that I keep thinking. It and do it. Like, I just, how many of these things do we have to have, right? Not, not like we have, like, do we have to keep, but how many stories like this do we have to have where this incredible piece of art or history, mm-hmm. like, uh, we're going to destroy it. And, like, they make the announcement. And is that the game? Is like, let's just, like, test the water and see how how upset people get. And, like, oh, they're upset. We should save it. And that's yeah. the the thing. Like, shouldn't you just preemptively know to save some of these things? And maybe I, it's I the mean, thing like people they think don't that people don't care or like that out of touch. But I just I feel like I mean, take a second and go, hey, this thing, yeah, we're not going to keep most of it. Then we're done. Like, I think just having that yeah. stop second of a thought, you go, of course we're of course we have to keep this. Yeah, in some way. I mean, yeah. and I. I mean, like murals in a temple are like a, are maybe a little bit harder to protect and preserve, or mm-hmm. uh, what you do with them. Uh, but this is like not just this isn't just in the temple. This is like in the community, and it's become sort of iconic of the campus. I think, yeah, you probably should preserve those things. I'm trying to think 
what Brigham Young Provo mural or item would be comparable that would be like, hey, let's just uh, bulldoze that. I mean, I mean, so I think about like the uh, very iconic, like where everyone gets their graduation photos, the BYU, and it has kind of the column and it says, enter to learn, go forth to serve, or I think that's what it says, something like that, right? Right. Yeah, I know. The, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, like if, if you were going to change that sign up or. Yeah, if they were going, if they were going to, you know widen that road or take that sign away people would want that sign to be relocated on campus because it's iconic enough of grandma got her graduation picture there and granddaughter will too yeah but i, I mean i also see the point of drawing a line somewhere and i sure. mean you kind of have to and i think of like i grew up in springville and there are a couple of like unique old meeting houses there, or there was one in Cedar City too, that was, you know, like some of these older, unique meeting houses that have unique features, whether it's stained glass or I don't know, whatever else, like, you know, like people want to preserve those too, but maybe the building doesn't make sense anymore or it, yeah, it, it gets, it gets to be expensive too to preserve everything and you can't preserve everything. So I, sure. you know, there has to be a place to draw the line and heavens knows no one's ever going to be happy about the, how the church spends its money. So. Right. right. I'm you know. angry. But, so. I, but, but to that point, I still think we should save this one. <laughs> as <laughs> I one. pick up, as I pick up this starfish so, and throw it into but, the water. But at the same point, like it is, it is, it is, it would be very easy for a university to reach out to their um, donors or graduates or whoever and be like, we're going to have a, a special fundraiser to save this mural or mm -hmm. mosaic. And we're not sure what we're going to do with it, but we'll probably turn it into the floor of the new place. Yeah. And, and then like, like watch the donations come in, like give yes. people a chance to, to save it. You, the church doesn't even have to spend money for this one. Like they can, they could do it with donations easily through the university system. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a natural fit. All right. So you, now you had a story hit me. Let's so a, a few, uh, it's probably been a month or so ago. There was a video the church put out about how they're using modular building techniques to build these temples. Now mm -hmm. and it's cutting. Did you watch that video? I, I not only watched that video, but I drove myself up to Helena, Montana to see the first of these modular temples uh, in in full glory and was able you know, to check it out. You know, as a child, I used to spend uh, my summers going to Canada to visit my grandparents, and we'd often stay in Helena. Mm -hmm. I stayed a night in Helena on my honeymoon. Okay. Hel Helena's a, a great place. It's so what did you think place. of the modular temple? Did it feel different? Uh, No, 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 no. Here, and maybe here, feel isn't the right word, but like from a not spiritual feeling standpoint, like did it, what did you did it look like? A, like how sometimes people feel about modular homes. No, it didn't feel that way at all. What I, so, wanted, what I wanted was I wanted someone there on site to be like, here's how you can tell and sort of point out some of those things. And no one either knew about that or knew, you know, how to be able to indicate that on the tour. So no, it just looked like, and I shouldn't say it that way. <laughs> It looks like a I'm, temple. I'm all for the minecrafting of the temples. That's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm mm -hmm. hundred percent. Let's push a button, print those hookers out, whatever. I mean, heavens knows I'm of the belief that we're going to all go to the temple on our Apple vision pros in the future, but that's beside the point. One of the casualties of the uh, increased rate of speed, they're going to be able to build modular temples is they don't have cornerstones anymore. Yeah. And I so they're not going to have a cornerstone ceremony. And so I'm feeling a little disappointed because I was mildly looking forward to that for the Austin Temple, but now we're we're not going to have them. I Which makes me think, and I haven't had a chance to look it up yet. Perhaps the next time we do this, I'll compile a list of wacky things that we've stored in cornerstones because they always, <laughs> yeah, you know, put some things in there, right? It's like a little time capsule. Yeah, they mark and it as the time, and then I, my wife, we were talking about that because the Helena Montana Tana Temple, though a modular temple has a cornerstone that had not been, um, you know, put like, in yet. It still had the, uh, the, uh, gap for the, for the, uh, mortar for, is what it for is? the thing to happen. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, she said, well, what do they put in there? And I said, 
They make predictions. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> they, uh, it's the, the most popular candy bar in the town. And they that throw it in. They throw. No, I don't. I know they do like artifacts and sometimes like things to mark like the day, like a newspaper, but people don't have newspapers anymore. And they do, you know. Right. I mean, I remember watching the, watching the, uh, I, I want to say the Houston Temple when I was on my mission and seeing like kids out there with their trowel you know, helping ceremonially sealing it off. And I thought that's kind of a cool thing to like physically tie people to a building that is now essentially printed or constructed offsite and then brought in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't, I think I'm, I'm still torn on how I feel about it, but I think it's an interesting thing that we're pushing fast forward on the production of temples button. And uh, which is a good thing. Let's get, um, let's build a pile of them before yeah. we all go virtually. Uh, the first art. presidency, their their statement, and I want to pick up what you just said because I don't know that I well we'll see. Uh, <laughs> the first presidency, their statement was so concise it it sort of blew my mind that announced this construction techniques have advanced to the point that cornerstones are no longer included in large buildings. Therefore, temple cor- cornerstone ceremonies will no longer be a part of temple dedications. Done. That's it. No more. Not any longer, not any more verbose, not we've had a great history of it and now it's a thing. Nope. Just we're not doing it anymore. Just like that, King Solomon rolls over in his grave. No. Uh, The end of something else, too, worth bringing up. The uh, Joseph Smith Papers Project uh, will be uh, concluding the 20th. What if they find more papers, Richie? Well, that is an excellent question that we should ask either Matthew Godfrey or Spencer McBride, those that have been here in the cultural hall to tell us about those. Look, those episodes are back up. You just Google it and find it. The answer is probably they're probably forgeries. But I, I mean, but they could like it's a valid question. Um, is there the addendum in a decade if there's enough to warrant another thing? Probably. I would think sure. they would do something like that. You have the the daguerreotype or that photo that you know, they're saying more and more likely is Joseph Smith. There's got to be some other things like that. If we're just finding that within the last two years, there's got to be some more documents. So yeah, it's the PS PS from Joseph is what they'll call the, that new addendum thing. Um, But it comes out on the anniversary of the martyrdom of the prophet Joseph. So the 27th of June here in just about a week's time, and uh, and and that concludes it. It's a huge undertaking. There are people that have worked for the church for multiple decades, and that's the only thing that they have done in their tenure with the church. And it's it's incredible. I don't own a single volume. I keep hoping that someone who really loves the uh, cultural hall will, <laughs> you know, that has a lot of money because they're like hundred dollar volumes a piece. And there's like the fifteen histories, and then the fifteen like you know, manuscripts or whatever, there's different volumes and all that stuff. It's it's a bunch. I keep hoping that some well-to-do listener will be like, you know what? 700 episodes, that's incredible. Have the Joseph Smith papers. Or I could just send you a link. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah, it's online too. And you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. So, there's something about having it in the hand. Well, they're so large and so voluminous that you can't just hold it in one hand. Do you think really that we're going to do, uh, you alluded to this, do you think that we'll really move to where we're doing virtual temple ceremonies? Uh, I really do. I really think, uh, and whether it's, whether it's you put the headset on in a temple mm-hmm. or if you could do it in a, in a different, like in a, a special room in the stake center or mm-hmm. even in meeting house. I don't, I don't think the day will come where you will, you, I will use my own headset to do it in my own house by myself. I, I don't think that will happen, but I could see there it being a, a thing that a method to make it that much more accessible. Yeah. And, uh, and every time that the film has changed in the last three years, I felt like this would be so much cooler in virtual reality. <laughs> you know, you make a, an interesting point about that because you have a dedicated part of stake centers and then what, I mean, it's just that it's just that easy. The Helena Temple, there's not a waiting room in the Helena Temple in the parking lot it shares with the stake com, uh, stake center. You wait to go into the temple in the stake center, and then you walk across, go in, change, and then 
you know, do it. There's not like a, you know, a, a chapel in the Helena temple. I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, I, I think it would make it, maybe it's not even, maybe it's not even in the stake center. Maybe it's uh, becomes a, a tabernacle like experience right? mm. where the church could set up, uh, you know, go into a stake center in a, a different part of the world that doesn't have a temple and, you know, they just do it in the headsets and like put you in, a, in that scenario. I think it could work. Yeah. Well, I don't know people that would why push, it wouldn't. Yeah. The people that would push against it, they're missing the point. It's not, it's not. I mean, maybe you couldn't wear a headset for your first time, but maybe you could, I don't know why you couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, about that, making the covenants and making that available for the other people. And I don't know that they're like, well, you know, I've waited all this time in heaven and I was really hoping you would do this in person. I guess I'll settle for the covenants made in, yeah, and, and, I, you know. And those same people were saying like, I really wanted live actors. Yeah, at the temple before and right, right, and so I, I mean, I, I just feel like every change that has happened in the, again in the last few years, like, have made it seem like it would be easier. There's mm. less physical contact. There's you know, less physical involvement. Like, I think it'd be relatively easy to do. And I mean, the language thing's probably not an issue anymore, but that could have been a thing because we're all wearing headsets. I mean, realistically, I don't know that there's a headset available this in the coming decade that's going to be light enough and comfortable enough that we'd we do that and price at a price point that makes it makes it where that would be the thing to do could you do it in a cheaper like less comfortable headset probably Mm -hmm. we could all wear our meta quest headsets and Mm -hmm. and do it would that work yeah yeah but the you know the three thousand dollar apple vision pros aren't the ones that they're going to use No, although highly and, invested into Apple. Yes. The churches. And the, and that's why. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting discussion. Contact to the cultural hall.com if you have particular thoughts as to why or why not that something like that could work. Or um, if you work for the church and you want to leak some <laughs> yeah, secret yeah, plans that you've already been doing. I mean, yeah. I feel like I feel like the church is a history of of looking at creative ways to bring the temples to the people. And like, you know, we've heard stories about cruise ships and smaller temples and all of these things that you know aim to facilitate getting more and more people access and i think like perhaps they think maybe maybe we're not there yet but let's keep an eye on it like i think that's a a thing and to the people who who you know automatically say no i just would say well why not and maybe there is something that we haven't considered that's like Oh no! It would have to be this for whatever reason, but I but I feel like I feel like in the last four years of the church, and like there's not a lot of things that like I can think of that there'd be a why not sure that like sure, but like wouldn't you have said that about X, Y, and Z that are now not a thing? Sure, I'm trying to encourage interaction, Russ. Contact oh, oh, dot com. because there may be and someone it, that feels super passionate about some part of it, the fellowshipping part of it. You can't do that by yourself. What are you we do by yourself? In a virtual room filled with people. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. The socialization in a room you can't talk in. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair. I don't even get to sit by my wife. What do you? Uh, the road to Carthage. Have you heard about this? I have not. This is a uh, I've driven it episode series that the church is putting out. We're uh, right in the thick of it right now. Um, there are eight episodes in totality, uh, talking about obviously. Um, Joseph Smith in the the events and the aftermath uh, of the murder of Joseph and Hiram Smith. It's uh, done by the Joseph Smith Papers Project folks. Uh, they did also the the one about Kirtland, and they did one about the First Vision, and very well, um, very well done, very highly produced. Uh, a great way for you to be able to understand um, those those days and those times before and immediately following the martyrdom. Uh, it's hosted by Spencer McBride, previous guest of the Cultural Hall, and uh, available. Not all of the episodes have dropped. They're about 37 minutes apiece. And uh, as we record this, only episode five, up to episode five, has come out. So there's still a couple more for people to be able to check out. But it's incredibly well done. And I if you've like- ever been curious at that time, you should check it out. I feel like getting a glimpse into that time frame. Like, and what, 
what people were thinking and what it's like, because it's hard to put myself there. I can't imagine like I, my, in my mind, what the church is now versus what the church was then, mm-hmm. like aren't the same thing from a, um, for a million of different reasons. It's the, the, the whole world is different. I can't imagine what that would be like. I can't imagine what it'd be like if president Nelson got arrested and killed. <laughs> you know right? what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, I don't know, but back then there's a whole, a whole nother ball game. And to, to be able to like, put yourself in in that place and kind of understand from the point of view of the people that were there and like the different, different things that they were thinking about, I think is a very fascinating experience. Yeah. And they just do, like I say, incredible job. Uh, episode five that uh, technically was released today as we record is morning Joseph and Hiram. That's what that episode is called. Uh, but uh, for instance, um, knowing brother Joseph again, that's episode six It explores the history of Carthage Jail, how it became a historic site, and how its meaning has changed to visitors over the time. So it's not just, you know, here were the people and we don't know, and this is what happened, and then, you know, speculation to this, and this is what we think about that. It's it's some of the stuff in context to modern day as well. If you haven't checked these out, they do not only this one I mentioned to the first vision, they also did one about uh, the priesthood restored back in 2021. Uh, one about the Nauvoo Temple, eight episodes, and then one about Kirtland that was released earlier this year. So check them out. Are we going to get Brigham Young papers next? Yeah, I don't think so. Just because there, it wasn't the same, Dif- a different kind of thing. He didn't. He didn't. Uh, you know, have thus saith the Lord's as many as uh, as Joseph Smith had, and such a lot much longer tenure. I mean, that's a sixty <laughs> volume of each thing right. and a lot and, of it, and, and probably a lot of it's like statehood and you know it's it's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't say is foundational to the church it's sort of additional to the church but i don't know maybe uh you had one more story let's do it um oh well uh, the, the political statement that came out not too long ago the updating the the position on neutrality that the church said did your ward read the letter yeah, we did what did you think anything jump out at you um, it's been a couple of weeks now. Yeah. So, so, uh, I mean, the cynic in me is thought, uh, yeah, we're, we're really neutral unless we don't want to be. That was one of the things that I sort of got you I mean, know, took away neutral from about people, not neutral about issues kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, um, there are some of those things that it feels like are get, get pretty close to not being neutral, you know, adjacent to non-neutrality. Uh, but the other thing that I I don't think that I understood when they were reading it, uh, or maybe it was an additional uh, document, was the encouragement not to just vote straight party. Right. I think that was kind of, well, and, I, I, and I, I, I realized that the letter isn't where I'm looking at right now, but the, I think the letter said something about how it's, you know, your duty is to do more than just vote for one party that you've always voted for or that you know you should research the issues research the people and research in any number of ways and then make a decision and just doing it because of a party or just doing it because i've always voted for this party or just voting straight ticket uh isn't doing your duty you should research and do a little more yeah i also thought their 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 statement on the, the kind of I felt like it was a response to the criticism the church has gotten about Russia and Ukraine, about how the church doesn't take sides in matters of lands and nations. And they, they try to stay out of that one too. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole different kind of thing. Sure. Like they, they can't weigh in on that. Otherwise they very quickly will find themselves not, not invited you know, to be places. Yeah. Not invited to be places. So they, you know, the neutrality there makes sense even though people are like it's an atrocity you can't believe what russia is doing to the ukraine and it is my opinion of course not necessarily the church's opinion but they can't say that if they want to be able to continue to have congregations and saints meet there and the thing that i think is is uh a tricky slash weird about that for me is if i'm a saint in the ukraine and you know there are russian people that uh you know live and maybe have that sort of pro Russia, the motherland mentality in your congregation. That's the thing that I think is fascinating that being able to see everyone as God's children and being able to parse out the political compared to the spiritual or, you know, 
that thing right. in your congregation. That's the thing that is fascinating slash really struggling to me. Yeah. I, I think it maybe it's time I need to look up another update and see what's happening with the temple there in Kiev. How things are doing with it over there. I'm sure it's fine. I yeah. know it's been closed, but it's still there. It's still standing as the song goes after all these years. Is that what it is? I'm still standing. Is that the next it's, line? Uh, I, I all I know is I'm still standing. In a while. <laughs> this is how we roll. This is how we bring roll. that out of back into the rotation for the kids. Uh, I'm trying. Oh, you know what? We'll end this. Uh, we'll end this news and then we'll take a break and go into um, the temple ticker with uh, the Pharaoh himself. After this, uh, tell me where in proximity to you is Plano, Texas. Plano is in a kind of north ish in the Dallas Metroplex area. Okay. Um, it's like three and a half, four hours. There was a great article in the Church News. Uh, you can find a link, by the way, to all the stories that we've talked about in the show notes uh, for this episode. So be sure you check that out and, and read for yourself some of these stories. Uh, a Mandarin-speaking branch in Plano, Texas. I thought that was incredible. Uh, the Plano 5th branch in the Plano, Texas stake is a Mandarin-speaking uh, branch. And it's a, a sort of a... Um, what you, a feature piece about the uh, about President Peter Wang, Judy Wang, and their family there in the Plano area, how they feel like they were led by God, what brought them there, and now the fact that they have a um, a branch that is Mandarin speaking and are modern day pioneers. It's a great, great, well written story, but cool to see even even today, even in twenty twenty three, that there's still these first time things that are occurring and strengthening the saints and being able to have it in your own language and all that stuff. So, I mean, when I read that, I was mostly encouraged that the church is still willing to create a congregation that meets the needs of people that, you know, for different languages, for whatever reason, I think that's, yeah. I, I, I felt like there was a time where things were starting to shift away from that. And I'm glad that like that a new branch is created. Like, you know, the, anytime you create a new unit, I think it's kind of a big deal in this day and age and like to be able to have the numbers to justify a branch. And hopefully I don't think you create a branch unless you think that there's the opportunity to grow it. So, yeah, yeah. huge. So way to go. Plano, Texas, Mandarin speaking saints. Get it. All right, Russ, we're going to take a break. We'll come back and do the temple ticker. Hey, you guys wanted to talk to you about a new voice app on the Amazon Alexa. It's made by the church, that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it's geared for kids and grandkids aged 4 to 11. It's called the Friend Magazine Skill, and it allows your kids to play the Friend Magazine from an Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Now, here's what's cool about it. Each month, it's going to include new stories and new music from the Friend magazine. It's, uh, you know, a thing that your kids, they know what it is. In fact, if you said, hey, kids, enable the Friend magazine skill, they've already done it before you even ask them. And the best part is it's free. It's built by the church. So there is no advertisements or any content that you need to worry about. And it's a fun, great way to help your kids learn about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the Friend magazine skill be sure to enable it on your Amazon Alexa smart speaker. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll Test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here we are in the third block. Uh, Corey K. Ward, the Pharaoh himself, comes to talk about temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And, you know, we, we shoehorn in some other things, too, that aren't exactly temple stuff. They're temple-ish. They're temple-related. Uh, it's all the news uh, since we've last chatted, and there seems to have been quite a bit. Let us go uh, immediately to Helena, Montana, and the temple dedication. Yep. On Sunday, June 18th, uh, Gary's 
E. Stevenson was there in Helena dedicating the 178th Temple of the Church. And um, yeah, a pretty standard dedication um, from the coverage and everything. Um, but something unusual that happened the Saturday before was that there was a, a super brief announcement by the First Presidency that Temple Cornerstone ceremonies are discontinued. Now, it's interesting to me, uh, and we sort of talked about it earlier in the news, is that it's this very short, like, we're not doing this anymore because that's how buildings aren't built. But when I went to the Helena, Montana Temple, there was very much the cornerstone that had not been, you know, mortared in and and, and set to, to be done. I'm sure that they probably did that. So it, it is something that they can do in these modular, smaller temples. Are, are we... What, why do you think it is? Obviously, it's, you know, the structures don't need it, but they were able to do it with the Helena Temple. So is it just, are we just, are we walking away from something that doesn't need to to be done or is a, a practice of the past and said, you know, listen, all this is is ceremonial anymore. Let's get past it. That's funny that you say that. I didn't, I, I was just assuming that maybe like part of the construction, they had already mortared everything in, but you say that like it was, they're ready to be, yeah, the ceremony and everything, and then they just did it, and then. Well, um, and I I don't know that they didn't do it or that they did do it, but but all I know is that when I did the tour around, they have the you know the 2023 cornerstone stone, mm -hmm. and and just like when you put tiles in in your bathroom or you're setting any of those things, there were spacers on both sides of this particular stone, and it didn't have mortar in it. So I just assumed, yeah, okay, that's where they're doing that, and then you <laughs> have the story that says, nope. Not anymore. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, um, this the statement's got kind of odd because sometimes sometimes church statements are like this is where they they say something, they say like uh, I don't know they they say that what the reason is, but then it's not really satisfactory of actually why they're doing it now instead of a hundred years ago. Because mm -hmm. I think the last cornerstone ceremony of an actual building that had a cornerstone was the Salt Lake Temple, and that was done during the construction as the foundation was being laid. And then as temples began being built with concrete, they just kind of put like that plaque on the corner. And then they started doing this ceremony where they put the mortar in. And the cornerstone ceremony is a, a very, um, has like uh, Masonic origins. It's very much uh, like, this is the the start of the building. Um, this is what we're, we're putting the, the most important uh, stone in that will hold everything. And so, um, for the last hundred years, it's just been symbolic. In fact, uh, I was at my mission. They transmitted this, the dedication of the Tijuana Mexico temple uh -huh. to us. And his whole talk was about, this is the symbolism and the importance of the, the cornerstone ceremony. And this is about Jesus Christ and about the future and everything. And I heard that he gave like the same talk at the Provo city center dedication. And so it's interesting that he could have like this huge explanation of why the cornerstone ceremony is so important. And then just like in two sentences, nope, we're, done. we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's got, there's gotta be more to it. We'll see if we can't track down or maybe more will come out about it. I always wish that there would be one person at a general conference who would be like, and in the last six months we talked about, blank or this announcement came out and I would like to take this opportunity in my talk to be able to go in greater depth about oh, kind of like get context about like why the decision was made. Yeah. Something I also suspect is that in recent, like um, there used to be a pretty standard. We're going to, we have three dedication ceremonies, mm -hmm. but now they've only have, they only do two. And I wonder if maybe they're trying to get it down to just one because, I mean, the reason why you had dedication ceremonies is so that multiple people could come in the temple and be part of that. Um, but now that it's all transmitted, you might as well just have one ceremony where everyone watches it at the same time. Yep. So I, I wonder if um, as part of the dedication, it's normally during the first session where they're all in the temple, then they all leave the outside of the temple, do the ceremony and then come back in. So I just wonder if it's just um, kind of the same reason why we do two-hour church, just to simplify things. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's what they should have explained. <laughs> yeah. Give us some context. Let's. I'd love that general conference talk. <laughs> uh, we travel to Arkansas and talk about the Bentonville Temple. Yeah, the Bentonville, Arkansas Temple. Um, they had their media day on June 12th, and then they started tours on June 17th, and they'll run through July 1st. And so 
yeah, we saw um, the photos of the interior and it's, they took a lot of inspiration from local Arkansas buildings, like the Benton County Courthouse, the, uh, the Massey Hotel, and then the Arkansas State Capitol. And they use like a lot of red, yellow, and blue patterns. They say they're reminiscent of the quilt-like patterns. And then there's some really nice rugs that are blue, green, gold, some hints of pink. And they use the dogwood blossom, the sunburst, and then the diamond motif. And the reason why they said they use the diamonds in the, in the windows is because Arkansas is the um, only place where there's a diamond mine in the United States. Hmm. And then in the Celeste room, they have a really nice painting of Jesus in a blue robe. And I remember um, when I went to the Washington, D.C. open house, I saw this uh, painting of Jesus and it really stood out to me because I'd never seen it before. And of course, I asked one of the ushers about the, t- about the painting if she knew anything about it. Of course, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Right. Let's go back to, I mean, we mentioned that before when I was talking about Helena. Give us, come on, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints Temple people, give us the one person that is called to know all the nerdy facts for the those like Corey and I who just want to know, tell me about the, you know, the intricate artwork of the, you know, r- river flowing, you, you know, thing in the Kirtland <laughs> Temple. Talk to me about this. You know, tell me why the dogwood is the strength of the this and 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 have those answers. Most people won't care, but there's enough of us that want a little context. Let's call that person. Make that Corey's job. Hire yeah. him. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then uh, the Benars, of course, were there for the opening of the Temple Open House. Um, they lived in Fayetteville, Arkansas, just down the road from 1980 to 1997. So he says, we're not uh, Arkansans by birth, but whatever degree of adoption is necessary to be full-blooded Arkansans, that's what we are. That's what he said. So he'll then, most definitely do the dedication as well. He will do the dedication. And he did the groundbreaking as well. So all Bednars for Bentonville. And then they, the guest, the most highest VIP guest was the Arkansas Secretary of State, John Thurston. Um, I guess they couldn't get Governor Sarah B. Huckabee Sanders there. Mm-hmm. So they settled for the Secretary of State. And uh, he was very impressed by the paint. He said that he and his father um, used to be contractors where they did a lot of painting. And he said that the, the trim and the paint in the temple is the most pristine structure he'd ever seen. Oh. The high well, compliments good. from Secretary of State. Uh, we go to Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Yeah, Belo Horizonte. Um I, for some reason, there's a church media blackout. It's been three days and they haven't acknowledged this has happened. So oh. it apparently did happen on, on Saturday, uh, June 17th by one who said I've seen some pictures. Um, so I can't tell you much more about what was said at the groundbreaking, but um, it's going to be the the 10th, I think, the 10th temple in, in Brazil. Uh, Montpelier, Idaho. Uh, my dad, when he was up in Bear Lake, did the... Uh, pilgrimage up to montpelier son we went to where it was this was just prior uh to the uh groundbreaking and and uh and i was like so 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 what was it and he's like "Eh, you know it's dirt dirt (laughs) it was an old i think courthouse and then they turned it into a library and then they demolished it and then the church bought it and then um but it's right across from the tabernacle there um so yeah, on that same day, uh, Randy K. Olson presided, and our friends from East Idaho News and Local News 8 were there to cover it. And there was more than 600 people that attended, Jeez. including uh, Barbara Perry, who is the widow of Elton Perry. She's a resident of Cocoa, Wyoming, so she'll attend the temple. It's kind of uh, amazing to think that as long as um, Elton Perry's been gone, that she's still she's still around. I thought this was interesting that there is a camera that helps you monitor the construction. And that is that a thing that people can get on and look at at any time of the day? I don't know yet, but other temples have had like um, construct like the I remember when I was a kid, the Provo City Center Temple had a um, a camera from the the New Skin building. And I would uh-huh. always go in there every day and, and watch the progress. And so maybe something who knows if they'll post a link or if this will just be for uh, the construction people to you, you know where if they do you know who will have it <laughs> east idaho news that's right they'll have something like that that we can follow on. okay well that's cool so the work is going forth as far as that goes up in montpelier and if you've never checked it checked out the uh, tabernacle there 
if you're ever up in the Beer Lake area, definitely worth going and checking also out. Also go to the, the Paris Tabernacle. That's one of the, the best tabernacles of the church. And actually my ancestors are from that area. They came from England and then they, they settled over by Paris and Georgetown and all those small towns over there. So I guess this temple is, uh, I guess, where my ancestors are from. See? Yeah. Ancestral temple. You just discovered it while we chatted. <laughs> Uh, we go to Guam. I thought this was pretty gnarly. Yeah, Typhoon Mawar was a Category Four hit on June on May twenty fourth, and the, the the rain and everything flooded the the inside of the temple. Got all the carpets wet. Some of the furniture and the meeting house as well was pretty, um, well uh, moistened. I guess you'd say. Um, but it doesn't look, moisture. Yes. <laughs> other than that, like the outside of the temple doesn't look any. Um, it looks fine. Just you just have to remove the water from the inside, clean the carpets. Um, so yeah, the temple will be closed through July twenty fourth, and then because um, the the temple was dedicated almost exactly one year ago, so it's kind of amazing that that storm comes right then. I uh, know no one killed in the storm. So what I thought was cool. incredible, you you saw the pictures of everything, I presume, and and you it just looks decimated. All of the yeah. landscaping. All the trees are broken. All the this, all the you know, all that kind of stuff, just gone. And there, the temple is like, yeah, no, we're good. We're we got a little bit of flooding, but all the rest of the area just completely leveled. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, and then wait a minute, a new temple visitor center. What's this about? I know this hasn't been reported by the church media yet, but it was in the local uh, Navu news that the church went before the planning commission to talk about wanting to build a new temple visitor center. I, I'm pretty sure across the street from the Nauvoo temple. And right now it's just kind of a, a field. Mm -hmm. um, but they said they want to have it have a 240 seat amphitheater, several displays and exhibits and a classroom. And something that the, one of the planners said is that the temple is the most inaccessible building in town. It's strikingly beautiful, but mysterious. And so um, it looks like in order to help people learn more about the temple, the church wants to have this new visitor center people to learn about it well i say yes did we get it approved or are they are they are they trying to make it too tall are they trying to make the <laughs> center too tall well it's right across the street from the catholic church and so I, I think they're still having some discussions about the the road and the parking and everything so okay so so maybe an unhallowed hand can stop that work <laughs> from progressing we, we'll see and that leads pretty well right into uh the the huge everything that's going on in Cody, Wyoming. Too huge. Yeah. Um, so they, we talked about last time that they were going to open, have a small open house where they show people um, kind of what the plans of the temple are. They release some new renderings of kind of like, um, if you're like kind of on the edge of the property, what the temple's going to look like. Um, so um, they said that they estimate that at most, um, during the most busiest times, the church, the temple generate about 32 vehicles an hour on the street so maybe like um, 16 entering 16 exiting each mm -hmm. hour um, and then one of they highlighted one of the visitors who's identifies as a methodist it says that religion is personal it's beautiful it's on private land um, and let's move forward with this um, so then on june 15th they went ahead and had a, a planning and zoning zoning meeting um, where they officially approved the temple, but there was still discussion about the 77 foot steeple. And so the city planner argued that um, steeple heart is traditionally not counted as building height in most, like I, I, this is what I see in most other cities around the country is that they say the building height is 30 feet, um, but like because of its religious importance, uh, steeples don't have a, a limit. Um, but obviously people there in Cody are saying, well, if you have a six-story steeple and only a one-story building, that's kind of defeats the purpose of the height limit. Right. Because they um, say like I guess the I guess the standard is the roof line is 30 feet or something like that, right? That's the that's how tall the building can be. Um, but then you know, the steeple is 70 feet, two and a half times beyond what the 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 uh, the thing is. And I I just yeah. I just <laughs> think. I, I, what do you think from I, those exterior those those renderings? From, I, you know, I, I just think I, I guess th to me, I start to get like this. I'm like, guys, do we think that God is like, oh, that steeple is not tall enough, right? 
oh, that better be, you know, do we, <laughs> do we think that that matters at all? I, I, and I understand the symbolism in, in a steeple, right? And reaching towards the heavens and the strength and the, you know, and maybe the even functional purpose of it, of it being a lightning attractant so that the rest of the whatever, right? There, there could be many, many reasons. But when we go into a place that is naturally divided, like Cody, Wyoming, I'm sure already is because of its proliferation of members of the church and then those who are not. And we go, yeah, we hear your rules. Yes, we've had your meeting. Oh, yeah, no, we're going to continue to do what we were going to do from the beginning. I don't think, and we can't, you know, kowtow to everybody, but I don't think we make a tremendous amount of friends when we say, yes, your your concerns have been heard, but we're going to go ahead and do that anyway. Different yeah. if they needed to make a bigger building because there were 100,000 saints in Cody and we're like, listen, we the building's got to be this big so we can get this many people through because this is how many people are seeking after it. If it's utilitarian, okay. When it starts to become ornamental and it's just, you know, in the face of some of the things that people want, like people should be able to say... Our community wants this to be a dark sky community. Turn these off. We would like these to not be reaching high because all of our buildings in this particular part of the country are low-lying buildings. Please, no. Thank you. Yeah, certainly um, the argument that was put forward. Um, one guy said that the, the cities are branded by their towers, like the Eiffel Tower, um, everything. And so he just said he doesn't want Cody to be known by being Mormon temple. He says he wants... Um, the, the town to be known as the town of Buffalo Bill and everything. <laughs> and so one person had a kind of a cringy comment that, oh, we don't want this 100 foot billboard advertising Mormonism to us Gentiles. <laughs> and then there's some other um, cringy comments on the other side is that, oh, the temple will, will attract good LDS families to the community. So I think that's also not a, a good approach um, to that. Yeah. But yeah. You have a good point about um, they said that the steeple was purely, there's no, it's not going to inhabit any, it's just going to be purely ornamental. And so um, I would suspect it's possible that um, if you remember that Yorba Linda, California temple was redesigned um, to put the steeple a little bit lower. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like this comes out of that. Or um, what's also been uh, being floated is that the the church, some, some of the representatives of the church pointed out that the Congress passed the Religious Land Use and Institutional Personalized, uh, Personalist Act in 2000 which um, protects houses of worship from religious and religious institutions from uh, discrimination against zoning um, landmarking laws. And so this is also being discussed in Heber as an excuse of um, why maybe the city should pass the ordinance because they might get sued by this law. Um, if, you, if you also remember the Boston temple, they were so gung ho about having a steeple that they dedicated the temple without the steeple. And they just like, we're going to build the temple whether you like it or not, we're going to build it ugly without a steeple. And then uh, a few months, nine months later, the the temple was the lawsuit went through and the church won that and they built the steeple nine months later after the dedication. So um, in the past, the church has been um, pretty gung-ho about putting steeple. So is it steeple gate? Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> I don't know. Is there, we'll is there, see what is there something that you and I, just general lay members of the church, don't understand about the significance of a steeple. Can someone enlighten us, please, as to why we need to, to do all this? Because yes, okay, so take it. And I when I shared this uh, particular article on our Facebook, find us facebook.com slash the cultural hall, or just search the cultural hall. Like, just because we can make an issue of it, like, I really feel like because so many people make so many issues of so many things, can we can we make issues of things that really matter? And if this really matters, which I'm willing to concede, I don't know why it really matters. But if it does, can someone tell us and help us all to really care about why this matters? And if it doesn't, not, can we just not make an issue about something that we could make an issue about? Or do we always have to make an issue? Because at the point we don't make an issue, then, you know, I should have said something when, but now I can't. My voice is silenced. I, I don't know. I just... I th yeah, I think it's I think it's an issue of, of whether these um, people that are complaining are a minority, just a loud minority, or if they represent the larger community. And I think that's what the community is trying to debate right now. Yeah. And so um, we saw that the, the temple in Belo Horizonte, it's like, a, a, like a, a flat steeple temple. So, I mean, certainly the church is designing temples right now without tall steeples. And so it can be done. Yeah. I say we build a tower to heaven. <laughs>
<laughs> I like it. That's how it should be. Let me know what you think about that. Uh, I appreciate it. As always, you can find all the show notes, uh, the different research that the Pharaoh himself has done. Find it in the show notes, and uh, you can join us every about every other time we do news. We have Corey come in and talk to us about uh, the temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We call it the Temple Ticker. Corey, I hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. Hope that if you're sick or otherwise afflicted, that you can be here next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of the Cultural culture Hall. hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really 